Hi there, it's Sam here, one of the pastors from Every Nation Ramsach Church. It's really great to be able to spend some time with you today. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, here we are finding ourselves back online. Really great to have you with us though and have you joining us. Thank you to God that we are able to be at least join in this way online. So it's really great to have you with us. We're continuing today with our Awesome God sermon series. Um, as we also take time in these next few weeks to consecrate ourselves to this awesome God that we serve. So last week, we heard about God revealing himself as the great I am, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who's constant in character, um, the one who's our promise maker and our promise keeper. And this week, we'll be looking at an attribute of God that perhaps is something that in today's day and age, in January of 2021, we're needing now more than ever. Um, and this this character of God, this person that we see revealed is Jehovah Shalom. God is peace. We've been declaring at the end of some of our sermons for the last while, a verse of blessing from number six. It's the Aaronic blessing. And it reads like this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And so I guess that um, one of the things that I'm asking is, what is peace? Who is this Jehovah Shalom that we read about? God being in and of himself peace. Uh, and also, how do we appropriate this peace for ourselves? How do we gain more peace? How do we access more peace? How do we go about being in a state of peace more? I've heard some people say, this January that um, that it's just a repeat of 2020. That 2021 is a repeat of 2020, except that now we won't be as surprised because we know what the virus holds um, and that level of uncertainty is a little bit less in some ways, but a little bit more in others. And when asking people about peace, a few people have said that they themselves don't feel like we can actually be in a state of peace that a state of peace is almost an ideal, like a, a dream that's unreachable, um, that it's not for us, that it's not something for this year, for 2021 anyway. But what if it is? What if peace, a state of peace, is somehow attainable? And um, what if we can live in this state of, of being in harmony, of being in wholeness, in completeness? in prosperity, in welfare, and in tranquility. You see, that's what this shalom peace actually means. Um, shalom is one of the key words and images for salvation in the Bible, for being in right standing with God. The Hebrew word refers most commonly to a person, are you ready for this, who is uninjured and safe, whole, and sound. Isn't that something that we're all longing for at the moment, for ourselves and our loved ones to be uninjured and safe? to be whole and to be sound. In the New Testament, shalom is revealed as the reconciliation of all things to Christ. In other words, Jesus came from God, from heaven. We've just heard about at Christmas. He came and dwelt among men. For what reason? To reconcile us to himself in the person of Jesus. And reconciling himself looks like this. Nothing broken, nothing missing, 
and everything in its right place. Imagine a world like that. Are you able to imagine a place where nothing's broken, nothing's missing, everything is in its right place? What if it is a possibility for us and for our family? Well, today, let's go to a place where we first read about this uh, Jehovah Shalom and learn about this God in the Bible. And let's see what relevance it has for us today. Um, Jehovah Shalom is first mentioned in the Bible in the book of Judges. So if you want to start getting your Bibles ready to Judges chapter 6, you can do that. But let me set the scene a little before we get to reading our passage today. See, if you'll remember from the book of Exodus that we looked at last year, we learned about how Israel was in a place of bondage and slavery under the Egyptians. And to cut a long story of Exodus short, Moses came, Moses was called by God to come and to try and free these people, these Israelites, this nation of gods from the Egyptians. And we also learned that this journey of the Israelites from slavery to freedom is our journey as well. And God did some amazing things in the sight of these people. We saw plagues. <laughs> we saw fire by night for the Israelites. We saw cloud by day. We saw food provided daily. It was like Uber Eats every single day just arrived with just enough food. God inhabiting the midst of their space. Clear and concise rules to live by. I mean, it was just do this, don't do that. It was so clear and so concise. And also, eventually, the Egyptians were led into this great promised land, into this land of milk and honey by Joshua and Caleb. And we find, however, over and over and over, almost in the, just this horrible cycle, this horrible pattern of behavior, that the Israelites were distracted by the gods of the world around them. They were distracted by things outside of what God had said is for them. And they chose to disobey God. They ended up straying from their God. Now, I use the word choose quite deliberately here because at every turn, I do believe that we have a choice. At every turn, I believe we have a choice to obey or not. I believe we have the choice to choose well or not, to take our thoughts captive or not, uh, to believe God and to take him at his word or not. We have a choice. And the amazing thing about being in the kingdom of God is that although we have a choice, God chose us first. That's the beautiful thing about the Bible and about what Jesus did. It says that he first chose us, but we get to choose him as well daily. If we look at the book of Judges, we read the story of Gideon. At the beginning of every season, we see the Israelites in. We read this startling phrase that the people of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The people of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, that's why I say they were able to choose what they were and weren't able to do. So let's have a, a, a look at what happens in Judges 6. The Israelites were in a really bad state. Things had gotten really bad for them. They found themselves hiding in caves in the mountains. They had an enemy called the Midianites, and these Midianites would come and literally steal everything that was theirs, their food, their stocks, uh, leaving no sustenance, sustenance at all, stealing their sheep, 
their oxen, their donkeys, leaving nothing at all behind. The Israelites were living in fear and in uncertainty and anxiety. They were trying to stay alive and to stay safe. Does that remind you of anything today? A people who are trying to stay safe and to stay alive, but are living in fear and uncertainty and with high levels of anxiety. If I think about those phrases, I see very much patterns of behavior in my life, in people around us, in the world that we live in, and pursuing this person of peace, which is one of the points I'm going to talk about later on, becomes so key and so upfront and central for us to do in this time. So let's go to our text for today. The text is, is quite a lot of reading, but I want you to stay with us as we read this text. And, uh, and then at the end, I'm going to draw out some points for us and give us some practical pointers as well. So let's read about where Gideon finds himself. So we're reading Judges 6 from verse 7. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and I brought you out of the house of slavery and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all these wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us over into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my presence and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and pre presented them to him. Now the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out to the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs 
to the obese rights. Father, thank you for your word and for what we can learn from it. We ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what can we notice from this portion of scripture, this great story, which in so many ways uh, says so much about where we are living in this place that we find ourselves in amidst a pandemic in 2021. I want to make three major points here, um, starting off with one which is probably a negative one. But the first thing that I notice about reading this scripture is that the external environment that we can find ourselves in can dictate our thoughts and our actions. What we see going on around about us can negatively affect our thoughts and our actions. See, we find Gideon hiding in a wine press. So he was threshing wheat. Now wheat is usually threshed on a threshing floor. And a threshing floor was a place that was usually on the outskirts of town because all the chaff, all the stuff that the people didn't want, the part of the wheat that they didn't want, that was useless, was to be blown off. And so a threshing floor was often found on the outskirts of a town, and it was found at a place where the wind would be able to blow over it and blow all the rubbish away. But here we find Gideon hiding in a wine press, an enclosed space. Um, and we don't know whether he was hiding from the Midianites for fear of his life, for fear of them taking his food, for fear of them finding out where his family is in a cave, in a den somewhere. But this is where he is busy threshing the wheat, hiding his work from the enemy. And I want to ask us this question. Are we hiding things that we shouldn't be hiding? <laughs> are we hiding not just because we're in lockdown, but are we hiding um, other things because we don't want to face them? Are we hiding things that we don't necessarily want to bring before God, that we don't want to deal with? Are we hiding because we're tired, because we're drained, because we just don't have capacity to go there right now? Our enemy is still there. And uh, COVID being one of them, fear another perhaps, perhaps lack of finances, job seeking, seeking strange ways of working um, in this day and age, but it is there. And I want to ask us, are there things that we are hiding from ourselves and from God that we could be bringing into the light? The other thing that Gideon was doing was doubting. He was doubting the generational historical faithfulness that he'd heard from his fathers and his forefathers. He'd heard testimony after testimony of how God had brought the Israelite nation out of slavery, he journeyed with them to a place of freedom, to a land of milk and honey, to a great place. But now he finds himself in a very different place and he's doubting. He's doubting the character of God. He's also questioning. He's questioning God, asking, well, where are you now? Why are you not doing these things now? All those signs, all those wonders, all those miraculous things that you did, where are they now? Right now, he's saying, I don't see them. So he's doubting and he's questioning. I want to ask us, do we sometimes get so blindsided by what we read, social media, what we see, what we hear, even by what we feel, that we dwell on those things and we forget the history of faithfulness and goodness of God in our lives? There is a battle that we're facing. Jesus himself says, in this world, 
you will be finding yourself in some trouble. But he says, take heart, for I've overcome the world. Even questioning Gideon, he questions his, his identity. He questions the words of God. God calls him a mighty man of valor. And Gideon questions God. He questions this call on his life. He questions the identity that God wants to lavish on him. Do we do that? Do we hear truth about ourselves from God, from our friends who love us, from people that we work with? Do we hear truth about ourselves and dismiss them because of family things, because of lies that we believe, doubts that we believe, often starting with sentences like, I'm not good enough, I'm not clever enough, I'm not educated enough. I'm not from the right family. I'm not from the right background. Um, I'm the least in my family. I've never been good at doing that. And do we disqualify ourselves from the call of God? And I want to challenge us today. Who are we to disqualify ourselves from what God has qualified us for? Who are we to disqualify ourselves from what God has qualified us for? It's a great point to ponder. The second thing I want to say about, about this story is, is that an encounter with God changes our internal environment. So rather than being affected by the external environment, when we have an encounter with God, it can affect positively our internal environment. If we look at this story and Gideon encountering God and Gideon um, having interactions with God, we see that God affirms who he is. He says, I am with you. I have sent you. I will be with you. He calls out the gold. He calls out the truth in him, regardless of what Gideon himself feels. God is affirming who he is in your life today. He's affirming that he is the great I am, that he is your peace, that he's your provider, that he's your healer, that he's the life giver, that he's the promise keeper. Those are the things that God is affirming over your life today. The other thing that God affirms after affirming himself is he affirms who we are. A mighty man of valor is what he called Gideon, a warrior, <laughs> somebody who is victorious to a man who was hiding in a winepress. So what great things has God said about you from people that you trust and that are loved ones. What great things has God said about you through his word that is true and that stands forever. The other thing that God does in encounters with him is he changes our perspective. You see, Gideon begins to listen to God. He begins in his interactions with God. He begins to listen to God. And I want to challenge us as we set ourselves time aside over these next few weeks to consecrate ourselves to God for this year. Take time to listen to what God is saying about you, to what God is saying about who you are. Gideon begins to listen. He says that he will keep in perfect peace the one who trusts in him, in Isaiah 26. God wants to meet with you. He wants to draw close to you. The promise in James 4 is that if we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. So as we do this over these next few weeks of consecration, there is a promise that as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And these encounters, these moments of spending time in his word, of praying, 
of just turning our affections and our attentions to him. These are encounters. <laughs> These are moments with God that can change our internal environment. Gideon also moved from being fearful of the Midianites to having a holy reverence of God. We read about after he'd had this interaction with God, he asked him to hang on and he brought an offering to God. He began to worship God before there was any battle won, before there was any nation that was turned the right side up, um, before he was even victorious. Something in the, on the inside of Gideon had made him realize that the Midianites were not worth fearing, but revering God was and worshiping God definitely was. Gideon moved from worry to worship. The third thing to note about this story, um, and it's the next part which we didn't get to reading, is that our internal environment, what happens in here, begins to affect our external environment. So rather than the external affecting us internally, the internal begins to affect our external environment. What happens after this portion of scripture that we read is the very first thing that God asks Gideon to do is to go and destroy the idol that his father had built in the uh, in the town in this in the in the area this uh, idol called Baal that Gideon's father had built now admittedly Gideon does go out in the middle of the night to go and destroy this idol but he'd gone from hiding in a wine press to beginning to walk beginning to journey in this new identity that God had called out in him and why did God want him to do this because God wants to be first he wants to be first in your thoughts, in your words, in your actions, in all you do and in all you say. Uh, Pastor Carol often uses this phrase. She says he wants to be first in our affections as well. He wants to be first in everything that he is. Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center of everything that we do. That's the rightful position that God should have. And the second thing to note about this internal environment beginning to affect our external environment is that encounters lead to victories. These moments with God, these moments that we set aside time to learn about God, to be in his presence, to receive from him, to believe what he's saying, to turn our attentions and our affections towards him. These encounters lead to victories. They remind us of the mission and the focus and the why. God uses these encounters to reconcile us to himself, to reconcile nations to himself, and to reconcile us to one another. So Gideon does go on to encounter the Midianites and defeat them. Um, he goes on to listen to what God is saying, to obey what God tells him to do, and he defeats the Midianites in their thousands with only 300 men. Go and read it in the book of Judges. It's really great. But what this does is it shows us that our internal environment, when spent with God, can affect positively our external environment. We all want peace, right? We are all meant, I think, to live in a state of peace. Jesus himself is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9. It says in John 16 that he said these things that he said these things. He told us these things that we might have peace. And what kind of peace is this? Philippians 4 tells us that a peace that it's a peace that passes all understanding. In other words, 
you can't make sense of it, it doesn't make sense. In the world that we live in, the peace that we have doesn't make sense. But it is found through encounters with Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. The kingdom of God, also we learn about in Romans 14, is righteousness, peace, and joy. So a third of this kingdom that we live in is peace. So I do feel like we are meant to live in a state of peace through encountering the Prince of Peace on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. So I want to give you just three practical pointers of, um, of maybe how we can do this over these next few weeks and hopefully build patterns that will continue throughout the year. And because we're in a time of COVID and because everybody is learning about PPE, personal protective equipment, um, I wanted to use those three letters to start off the sentences of the three things that I think we can do that will help us to find this person of peace and to find more peace that we can live in. So the first one is a P, it's pursue the Prince of Peace. Be deliberate with your time. Remove the distractions and the roadblocks. Simplify your focus. But the more that you focus on Jesus, the more that you pursue the Prince of Peace, he promises this, that he will keep you in that peace. The more your mind is steadfast on him, he will keep you in that perfect peace. It says in Isaiah 26. The second P, so the first one is pursue the Prince of Peace. The second P is to please the Prince of Peace. Now this may sound a little bit strange, but I've realized how much energy we spend trying to please other people. And I do a lot of counseling in our church, um, a lot of ministry, and a lot of times there is this overstepping of boundaries where we are trying to please people in our lives instead of trying to please the Prince of Peace. Be careful that you don't get tongue-tied. But I want to encourage us to do all that we have in set in front of us for him, not for other people. Um, say no to what you need to say no to. Say yes to all, of, all things of Jesus. Um, fear God, not man. And I want to say that in Colossians 3, the Bible talks about whatever you do, whether it's words, actions, deeds, whatever you do, do it for Jesus. And so let's be people that please the Prince of Peace. And the third uh, letter is an E, so it's PPE, pursue the Prince of Peace, please the Prince of Peace. And the E stands for have your ears attuned to the Prince of Peace. See, these things here, uh, we often have them tuned into very different things other than the Prince of Peace. We have them tuned into words from other people, negative things, thoughts. But he knows the right road. Ask him, he'll guide you. 2 Corinthians 10 speaks about taking our thoughts captive. So whatever's in here, whatever Whatever our ears are listening to, we are meant to take those thoughts captive and bring them unto, under the submission of Jesus. We're meant to ask Jesus, are these things that I'm thinking and hearing true? And if they're not true, chuck them away. <laughs> Just flush them down the loo. Get rid of them. Sanitize them. Do whatever it is, but get them out the way. Don't entertain them. Have our ears attuned to the Prince of Peace. Proverbs 3, verse 6 in the message Translation says, listen to God's voice in everything that you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. 
listen to the Prince of Peace. PPE, pursue him, please him, and have your ears attuned to him. In conclusion, an encounter with Jehovah Shalom, our Prince of Peace, repositions our perspectives and changes our narrative. Amen. I just want to pray for us before we go. And maybe I want to just say this as a first port of call is, Maybe you are one of the people who is listening to this who hasn't yet really encountered or met this person of peace, this Prince of Peace, this Jehovah Shalom. Maybe you don't know who he is. Maybe you are listening to this and you've heard, but you haven't really engaged or encountered the Prince of Peace. I want to encourage you underneath the video, there's a WhatsApp link. I'd love for you to click on that WhatsApp link and one of our leaders will connect with you shortly and be able to engage with you and be able to bring you on a journey, much like the Israelites were on, from a place of being in not a great place to being in a place of freedom and peace and wholeness. And we'd love to journey with you through that. But for all of us, Father God, I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Jehovah Shalom, in this time that we find ourselves in now, I ask for your peace to invade every home right now. I ask for your peace to invade every heart. Lord God, I pray that you'll help us learn what it means to pursue you. Lord God, even today and in these next weeks as we're setting aside time, consecrating time for you. Lord God, I pray that you will teach us what it means to pursue you. Teach us, Lord God, what it means to please you only, Lord God, that all we do, all we say, Lord God, is for you and for your glory, not to please other people. Father God, help us to realign ourselves to pleasing you, to having a holy fear and a holy reverence of you, almighty God. And Lord God, I ask that you will help us have our ears attuned to your voice, to the Prince of Peace, to the one who wants to keep us in a place of wholeness, of tranquility, Lord God, of everything in its right place, nothing missing, nothing broken. So Father, right now, even every person that can hear this video right now, Lord God, I ask that you would invade their space with peace. Father God, we, we come against all fear right now. We come against every lie in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I just release your peace over every person. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Just before we go, I've got a blessing for you from 2 Thessalonians 3.16 this time. And it says, now may the Lord of peace himself Give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen. Amen.